Bruchem Abayim B'Shem Hashem Benachnuchem V'Es Hashem Welcome to our weekly and we mean weekly Wednesday night shir the Nishmas is dedicated to Ephraim Haralev Atchasad Ephraim Ben Rani Yam Teflipa Shmuel Yaakov Atchasad Shmuel Yaakov Rav Meisha Shnet Bas Ephraim Koyen, Chaim Ben Baruch, and Dorit Bas Moshe Halevi. This Shabbos, Pasha's Bolok, a simple Shabbos, almost, has a little bit of a hiccup. It's called the date this Shabbos, the Shabbos of Atamas. Panic immediately comes about. Shabbos of Atamas. Uh, what do we do? It's not the nine days, it's the three weeks, first of all. Spoiler alert. It's only the three weeks. We'll discuss the halachas, etc. throughout the year. Today, tonight, is Tes Vov Tammuz, the yard site of the Rechaim HaKadosh. The Rechaim HaKadosh was an extremely, extremely holy man. Chaim Ben Atar. And he's buried on Harazesim. Tomorrow, of course, to be a tremendous pilgrimage going to his grave. The Rechaim HaKadosh was very um, Kabbalistic, shall we say. The Rechaim HaKadosh very well versed in astrology. And I believe in past years we told the story of the Rechaim HaKadosh with astrology on his yard site prior. But if you go through all the archives and you don't find the story, feel free to email me or text me and I'll tell you the story. But not tonight. Go ahead. We will, Mirat Hashem, learn something of the parasha from the Erechaim HaKadosh in honor of the outside. First, we'd like to say a little word from the Shalak HaKadosh. All these people had titles HaKadosh. This is Pasha Pasha's Bullock. Although the Pasha is focused on Bilam, and although Bilam very, very kindly enhances our Tata with all the Mashiach and the Asid Lavi. But still in all, Pasha remains on the name of Bolak. So our star though, Bilam, who's summoned by Bilam, by Bolak, 
to come and curse the Jews. Balak is in a panic, he's in a tizzy. And we'll soon explain all about his tizzy. But ultimately, he summons Bilam, who is the prophet of the Goyim, of the non-Jews, to come and curse the Jews. Because if they be cursed, then maybe he can defeat them at war. Now the fact of the matter is that Hakil kill Yaakov by Yedayim since the voice is the voice of Yaakov is Rivka so Yaakov Yitzchak so elegant When Yitzchak checks, see if it's Yaakov or if it's Esav, he says, Hakel kil Yaakov ve'edayim de Esav. The voice sounds like Yaakov, but yet the hands feel like Esav, because he had put on the coat, the hunting coat. Um, but this is ultimately an avua as well, that the kill will be kill Yaakov. The voice, Yaakov will always persevere, and will always conquer with his voice, with the voice of Tfila, Teira and Tefila, by davening and learning, Kal Yisrael always prevails. Therefore, it's Akel Kalyakis, he figured he will fight fire with fire. He will bring somebody also using their voice, using their powers in prayer, the prophet of the non-Jews, and let him curse the Jews. The Pasha therefore begins with the adventures of the messengers of Balak, who come to meet Bilam and to bring him back to Balak. And it ensues how the Abishta comes to Balak, to Bilam, says, Who are they, etc. Fast forward, and Bilam is on his donkey that he himself saddled in the morning. He got up himself to saddle it, and he figured that he's going to show his great mm-hmm. dedication and devotion. To which immediately Rashi says, Rasha, you wicked man, you've been preceded way before you, Avram Avinu got up early morning and saddled the donkey on his mission. <laughs> that trick's not going to work for you. So he says, he sets out on, en route. And we hear the famous story, how he's confronted by an angel. And the angel blocks the path of the donkey. And what happens? The Pasik tells us, chapter 22, verse 23, The donkey was frightened from the angel. Because Nitzabadarek was standing in the road, and he had a sword out. <laughs> Let us be practical speaking. The donkey understands that the guy has a sword, he's dangerous. 
We're not going to go into what kind of donkey this was. Anyway, he goes off the road, and Bilam proceeds to hit him. And then again, Malach goes a little later, further, and again, the donkey is frightened, and he crushes Bilam's leg against the wall, and Chavov, sorry, in Vosik Chavzayin, again the Malach, he saw it, and Vayichar Av Bilam Vayachas Osim Bamak, he hit him again. Sorry, I missed, there's a middle time also, Vayamid Mishra. And he hits him also a second time. This is now a third time that he hits the donkey. Finally, by Yiftach Hashem is Piyosin, the Almighty opens the mouth of the donkey, which was created, as we learned in Mikhevis, Bein Hashmoshes. On Erev Shabbos, one of the last things that were created right before Shabbos was Piyosin, the mouth of the donkey, giving the donkey the power to speak. And he says to Bilam, what's wrong with you? What did you hit me for these three times? <laughs> now, understand, Bilam is the prophet of the non-Jewish nation. He is the prophet that's being summoned by the king Bullock. He is the prophet that is so, so powerful. And here he's having a conversation with his donkey. Not only a conversation with his donkey, he tells the donkey, you serious? You're complaining I hit you with a stick? If I would have had a sword in my hand? Huh! I would have killed you on the spot. Donkey says to Bill, I'm your loyal, faithful donkey. Finally, Pasuk Lamed Aleph 31, Vayigal Hashem es Einei Bilam, the eyes of Bilam are revealed, opened up, they're revealed. Vayaras Malach Hashem Nitzav Aderach is standing there, Vecharbe Shlufa Biyadei, and the sword is still out. Vayikred Vayishtach Olapa, he jumps off the donkey and he bows down to the, on his face, to the angel. Now the Malach asks him, why'd you hit the donkey? Three times. I was blocking Had he not gone to the side, I would have killed you both. So Bilam says to the Malach, very, very powerful. Chapter 22, verse 34. I sinned. How did he sin? Because I hit the donkey thrice. I didn't know you were there. So what's the sin? What's the sin? You didn't know. You didn't know what the donkey was doing. The donkey was squashing your leg and etc. So what's the sin? Why are you screaming Chotasi? Shalom Kodesh says... 
Why did I sin? I didn't know that you, Hashem, were standing there. Many times, my friends, the Shalom Kodesh says, we find different trials and tribulations in our life. Different stumbling blocks. Different things that set us back. Different things that we don't understand and we wonder, why is this happening to me? You have to remember, Ki ato nitzav lekrosi. Ata is HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Almighty HaKadosh Baruch Hu is standing there and this is why this happens. And therefore nothing that happens is bad. We need to understand and accept everything is from HaKadosh Baruch Hu and HaKadosh Baruch Hu only does good. We have very many tests. Sometimes Chas Sholem is an illness that we can't understand. Why, says the person, was he smitten, she's smitten with this illness? And we say, Gamzula Teva, this also is for good, but where can I possibly find good in this illness? Where can I find any solace, any peace with this illness? Do I want to become a Nebuch case? Do I want someone to pity me and say, Oi, Nebuch, you suffer from this illness, and therefore, out of sympathy, I want to be nice to you? No. I don't want to live such a life. What it might do is prove loyalty. It might prove true love and friendship. True unconditional love and friendship. Where sometimes people have illnesses that as far-fetched as possible, people think are contagious. People say, "Ah, I think we're going to part our ways now. Even though they're in the the furthest stretch of the world of imagination, are they contagious? Well, someone looks at the person and says, "Ah, I only want to be with perfect people. This illness is an imperfection. That's not for me. But then we have the person that unconditional love turns and says, I will help you through this. I will be there for you every step of the way. Because I believe that Atta needs a Lekrosi, and I want you to believe that Atta needs a Lekrosi. This is from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And if it's from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it can only be good, says the Shalom Kodesh. This is Chotosi. This is the sin that Bilam confesses to. The fact that he saw the donkey doing something wrong. The donkey going off the road, off the path. The donkey crushing his leg against the wall. And he blamed the donkey. Not only so much so that he blamed the donkey, he smote, smit, smote, smote the donkey. He hit it. 
Something's burning. And this, says the Shalom Kodesh, is the lesson of Bilam's adventure with his donkey, his Chotosi. The sin, the grave sin that he committed by thinking that something Hashem did was Chas Shalom not perfect. We're now going to discuss Bilam. Bilam, who gets a lot of credit, but unfortunately no top billing. Although he brings so much nevuah here in this parsha, all of it pointing in one direction, in the direction of Mashiach Tzidkenu L'Asud Lavai. He doesn't get the billing. The billing is Balak. Let us begin to discuss some of the wonderful things that Bilam says. We'll now discuss something that the Erechayim explains in this Pasuk. Chapter 24, verse 6. Join me there. Chavdalid Vav. Kinecholim Nitoyu as the rivers are turned. Kiganes al as the gardens that go up from the Nahor, Kaholim Nota Hashem, as tents that God has set up, planted, Karozim Alimayim, and like these strong cedar trees that go up from water. Again, count with me. Kinecholim Nitoyu, Kiganes Ale Nahor, Ka'aholim nota Hashem and Ka'arozim Alimoyim. There are four. Four categories. Four different subject matters mentioned in this Pasuk. The Rechayim HaKodesh translates as follows. He brings down Razal. And the Razal says as follows. It's talking about the four types of tzaddikim, of righteous people that in, the, in God's nation we have. Number one is like Shmuel Hanavi. He gathered the entire holy land, the whole entire holy nation, to teach them Torah and Mitzvahs. Each and every year. A second tzaddik, form of a tzaddik, is he establishes the Talmud Torah to learn and to teach and to show to teach the laws, they sat on the Tatas and the They involved themselves in Tata, in teaching of Tata. Similar, it's Bachaja to the first one. Only that the one that comes to search God comes to them. Shmuel had a step above. When one was searching for God, and one wanted to know what God was, or where God is, or how does God come into our lives, this went back to Shmuel Anavi. The second category did not have that. The third category, teaches Torah for the Shmo, for it's just learning. Sorry, they learned Torah, the Shmo, for the Torah itself. To understand it, to grasp it, And again, the first category 
is above that because it teaches as well. The fourth one is the one that supports those who learn. They go out to work. They find all different businesses, but they support the Torah study, the scholars. This is how the Pesach is divided in four parts. When it comes to Shmuel and Avi, it says, Kinecholim nitoyu, like the rivers. They were made like a nachal that goes from right to left. And people drink from it from all sides. This is the group that troubles itself and toils to make sure that the people that are thirsty of water have what to drink. The second one, Kiganis Alinor. Like the garden that's planted, and anybody who wants can have can enjoy it. They can come and enjoy the fruits, and they can support, they can live off this. It goes out to even further places. These people are sitting in Lishka Sagozis. Anyone who wants to come learn from them can come listen, watch them learn, enjoy their fruits. And the fruits go all different parts of the world. And it supplies those that are thirsty for learning Tera. As it says, Kimitsiya and Tetzisayra. The third group who learns for themselves and they don't have any kind of ashpah, they have no effect on others, ke'aholim, not Hashem. Just like Yaakov is a ishtom, and Yaakov sat in the tent, he sat in his ale and he sat and learned to himself. This type of Approach, says the Rechaim HaKadosh, adds to roots and adds to everything else that needs to done, be done. As long as they are learning Teda, we know that they are adding wonders to the world, but they are sitting in their own tent, in their own four cubits. The fourth one is Karazim Alemayim. Arazim, they are very, very strong trees. the supporters, the pillars of the nation. The ones that give the kayach and the gvura in this world. But they don't do anything as far as fruits of Teda is concerned. Because they themselves don't learn Teda. And the fruit of Teda is only the called a fruit. As the Zaya explains in his possibly Sashkis as Eitzah Gamer. And Manu Techov, there you have to eat. Pasuk refers to, hints to, the baltera that sits and makes the fruit. Alemayim, because they are strong also, and they bring up water, which is teda, and they hold out the people that are sitting and learning teda, they support them, who are compared to the water, and they themselves have pleasure from this water, because as we know, Yisachar and Zvulun had a partnership 
Smach Zvulun B'Tseisecho, Yisochor B'Yolecho. Zvulun went out and sat and learned. So Zvulun B'Tseisecho. Zvulun went out and worked, and Yisochor B'Yolecho, Yisochor sat and learned. And they divided in 50-50 the schus of the learning Torah. So this Rechaim HaKadosh explains this passage very eloquently, how the four different types of tzaddikim that there are in the Jewish nation. The more you look, and the more you talk, and the more you learn about it, the more you get frustrated. <laughs> this is Bullock. He was a coward. He was a coward. He was a nothing. He had the use of black magic. He explained once in a shir why he was called Bolak Ben Tzipar. He used to use the tongue of the bird. Not for now. What happens here? Our Parsha, Bullock, takes place after the last Parsha finishes, where the Jews destroyed Sichin and Oig. They destroy Sichin and Oig. They go to battle with them and they destroy them. These people were very, very powerful. They were giants. Now, Bullock is petrified. He saw what they did to Amedi. They were very scared because there were many. The Mayavi were scared of the Jews. Rashi explains. How did he translate his fear to his whole nation? Omar, he said to the people, this idiot, these two great kings, I relied on them. But they could not stand up against the Jewish nation. Who are we? We can always stand up. We see here a tremendous flaw in the character of Bullock. What did Bullock see that his nation didn't see? The Uvda, the fact that Am Yisrael was Ravu. So many Meir. There were plenty of them. Follows. Until the battle of Sichon and Eich, Bullock had no fear. Because he had a secret pact with Sichon and Eich that they'll protect him against the Jews. So he was using them like a buffer, like a shield. Who knew this? Only the kings, not the nation. 
Had this pact been known to everybody, the Jews would not have asked Sichain to go through his land on the way to Hetzal. But now, after they beat Sichain and Eich to the pulp, the shield of Bullock fell apart. This is what it means by Yar Bullock. It's called Ashrasu Yisrael Hameri. Bolak saw everything the Jews did to Hameri. He saw that this whole wall crumbled. At that point, he tells his nation about the, ma- the magical pact that he had with the kings. And he told them, If Sichan and I couldn't do it, we are chopped liver. He told them, Akal This Kalvachema that he puts together here adds to his fear. He remembers the Jews did not want to fight. They just wanted to go through. And this was a commandment. Don't start up with Meyav. Don't, don't get into Sikhsuk. But Bullock he suspected wanted to fight him. As the Baruch of Yaakov Teisa So therefore they, Sichon, came out to fight. But now that he saw that the Jews con- conquered Sichon and Eich this crushed his whole f- his whole security and they didn't have any kind of effect from Sichan and Eig they were strong enough to beat them so much more so what they're going to do to him but we need to understand a little bit this cowardly behavior you want to be frightened in your own you want to be scared because you're the king and you're scared of the situation? Keep it to yourself. Why throw panic on the entire nation? The mission, the goal of a king is to give the security. The security of his nation. To fortify them. Not to weaken them. Not to throw a panic and anxiety on them. And this is what Chazal tells us. The wicked are the reshus of their hearts. Wicked are frightened. Their hearts conquer their minds and their intellects. And they can shiver in front of everybody. Even though the best defense mechanism obviously is to hold it back and to be more secure and to show us a stiff upper lip, they tremble. Here we see the simple difference between a Russia like Bolok and a Tzaddik like Meshir Abenu. 
When it came to the battle of Eig, Moshe Rabbeinu was petrified. Why? Rashi says, he was worried that Oig had the merit over the fact that he helped Avram Avinu. But, as a true, devoted, dedicated shepherd and leader to his nation, he held that in. He held back that trepidation. He held back that fear. He didn't allow it to be seen or heard or any which way, form or fashion affect the nation, his people, his flock. Not only he did not tell anybody, he didn't allow it to frighten himself either. As scared as he was, he conquered that feeling. He overcame that in a way that he was not frightened at all. This is the very same attitude that every one of the Jewish nation's shepherds throughout the generations have kept up. In the most dangerous most moments, they keep, kept the nation going. And they poured into them bitochon, emuna. And with this strength, they overcome. They overcome the enemy that stands in front of them. They overcome the exile which we are suffering. They overcome everything that's thrown at us. Because we are supported by our shepherd. Our loving and attached shepherd that is so devoted and dedicated to us unconditionally, that shepherd gives us strength. That shepherd, with his unconditional love, gives us everything that we need. Here comes Bilam. And the whole show that ensues. Yes, I'm going to curse the Jews. Put up this Mizbeach, put up that Mizbeach, put up an altar here, an altar there, a bummer here, a bummer there. Nah, this angle doesn't work, that angle doesn't work. Let's stand on a higher mountain, a lower mountain, sideways, upside down. Bilam put on a lot of shenanigans here. He put on a good show for Bullock. He was looking to earn his money. Obviously, Balak was paying top dollar. Curses were expensive those days. Wanted a good curse? <laughs> a better one? Well, you're going to pay for that. Then we start to hear prophecy. He starts to spew prophecy.
back on the subject, sorry, about a true leader. I forgot the story I wanted to tell. Back in the day, the war was finished, and all the people, wait for the story at least, and all the Jewish nations came from war-torn Europe. They came from all over with all their pekluk and all their problems. One of the neighborhood, neighborhoods in which they settled, when the Lower East Side was not really housing, they came to Brownsville. Brownsville was a kurabarzal, it was a melting pot, it was loaded with every walk of life of Jew. Different chsidim, different misnagdim, different svardim, different, you name it was there. There was one particular misnagid, a rov of a shul, who was an antagonist, he did not like chsidim. Whom did he really not like? The Friedrich Rebbe. The previous Lubavitcher Rebbe. He had an animosity to the Rebbe unsurpassable. He didn't know why, but he had it. And everyone in his congregation knew he hated the Lubavitcher Rebbe. One day, he gets up in shul, says, Rabbi Yisai I have sinned, I have erred, I made a mistake. This Lubavitcher Rebbe, that I talk so hatefully against, is a true, true tzaddik. Needless to say, eyes are bugging out. Jaws flew open. What happened? He says, let me tell you. He says, the Rebbe is saying about his own brother, had gotten very, very ill. And the medical costs were astronomical. He had nowhere to turn. He says, I didn't want to come to you people, to my congregants, because it's hard enough for you to make a living. I didn't want to tax you as well on this. So I spent a few cupcakes, a few dollars, and I went to the Morgan Journal, the Jewish paper, and I took out a little classified ad, probably the smallest one they have. And I wrote, Ayid Darf Hilf. Four words. Ayid Darf Hilf. A Jew needs help. And I put my phone number there. The first day the paper came out, in the middle of the night I get a phone call. It's the Lubavitcher Rebbe. What's the matter? And I told him that the expenses, the medical expenses, etc. Says, good, come. Come over. And the Rebbe gave me every last dime for the medical treatment. He never met me in his life. He never saw me, never saw my brother. Never spoke to me. He saw a Jew needs help. That's all he saw. He didn't care who the Jew was. 
what color he was, what height he was, what believe nothing. He's a Jew and needed help. Kum mein kind, and the Rebbe gave him every last dime. He says, "Now I understand what a true shepherd be Yisrael, Yisrael is, what a true leader is, and therefore." I need to ask forgiveness for anything I ever said about him. Now let's go back to the regular schedule program. Bill, um, on the scene, on the site, watch the wires. Bill um, sets himself up. And he's ready to curse. And one of the most powerful curses he could say, <laughs> A verse that is quoted by every Jew every morning. We say, A verse that is in a lot of cases, sung by the cantor, by a chuppah. Before the chuppah begins, cantor marches down the aisle and sings, Yisrael. A verse time in history, and every year we talk about a bullock, has something about Yisrael. How great! How beautiful are your tents, Yaakov. The beauty lies in every little detail. But what did Bilaam see? The beauty of the tents of Bnei Yisrael. We have a keeping score at home, the Gemara Baba Basra, the Samach Amar Aleph. 60 side one. The Yimara says, Bilam observed the Jewish people arranged their tents so the entrances did not line up and they could not peer into each other's homes. This demonstrated their dedication to maintain privacy and modesty. Recognizing this modest conduct and the purity that it brings about, Bilam exclaims, these people are worthy of having divine presence rest upon them. And this is Rashi, Perich of Dalit, Posik Beis, chapter 24, verse 2. This is what caused Bilam to reconsider his plan cursing the Jews. And instead he blesses them. The Tater's ethic of Tznius, not exposing those aspects of life that are intended to be private. It clearly involves more than just not peering into another person's tent. Yet, Bilam reconsidered, literally, reconsidered his curses, 
when he noticed this seemingly minor detail in the Jewish people's conduct. They allow the privacy of their fellow Jew and respect it. From here we see the adherence of the details of Tznius. Not just regular halachas, all different mitzvahs of Teda, the smallest and most minute ones, have the power to transform even the worst curses into blessings. More so, Bilam's reference to B'nai Sol's tents shows us they maintained this highest standard of modesty. Even when they were on the road. This teaches us how important the terrorist standards of Sneas, not only at home, but even in temporary short-term settings. This is our most beautiful feature and our greatest source of bracha. And ironically, this is always read during the summer months when the message is so important. But he saw something else as well. Mishkan Yisachar Yisrael. Every Shevet, every tribe, kept to their own. They kept to themselves. This itself shows the greatness of the modesty. They knew the Sifrei Yechuseihem they held on to their heritage they didn't intermix intermix intermeddle this got him even more They are a nation. There's a people. Kari, Yokum Kari, Yokum. Alavi is another word for a lioness. Many different lashenis of a lion. Alavi, Ari, etc. Kilavi Yokum. Like a lioness, they rise up. The chari is nasi, it raises itself like a lion. Bilam compares the Jewish people to a lion. And the Medrash explains this comparison hints to the vigor which the Jewish people recite the Shema. It's compared like a lion pouncing on its prey. 
they arise from their sleeps like lions so that they can recite and proclaim HaKadosh Baruch Hu's, the oneness and kingship of God why is the recitation of Shema Yisrael compared to a lion's attack on its prey there are many animals that attack their prey why the lion? The Shema begins, the recitation of Shema begins with the oneness of God. Shema Yisrael, Hashem Alekinu, Hashem Echod, Hashem is one. And Chassidus explains, everything that exists has to be an extension from divine energy. This continuously maintains and gives the existence. Even the Yitzhahara, the self-serving negative inclination, has a godly purpose. And therefore we continue reading with your whole heart your heart's passions your heart's desires even those that come from the Yitzhahara it's a Mishnah Mishnah Brachas keep us going home it's Pedic Tess Mishnah Hey have you keep us going home the Yomar about Metziah Pay dollar and Aleph says, 84 side 1. Rabbi Yechanan said, to invest in Tera, the very same energy that you used in doing an Aveda. This explains why Bilam compares the recitation of Shema to the way the lion captures its prey. Another Gemara, if you keep me scored home, Baba Kama, Tezayin Amar Aleph, tells us, unlike any animal, the lion eats its prey alive. The lion does not pounce on its prey and kills it first to eat it. It eats it while it's still alive. This is the message of Shema. The ultimate service of God is not to destroy the Yetzirah, not to drain the Yetzirah of its strength, of its powers, but rather, eat it alive, to absorb it, channel the same passion, that the Yetzirah is giving you, to try to do wrong, and channel it, into good, into the words of the Shema Yisrael. These words, Heim Kolovi, Yokim Nasa. This prophecy of Bilam, as we read it here, hints to very great things in the future for the Jewish nation. Ultimately, as we said before, 
This references literally the time of Mashiach. Hein, hen, am kolovi, yokum, charis naser. So one of the many psukim in this parsha that hint the geula, the redemption. Pasuk prior to this, Bilam says, "Kezem the Yaakov the Yisrael ma'poel akel." What does it mean that it's time to say Yaakov and Yisrael? What will they affect? What will they affect? The pasuk is explanation is that in that very moment, the moment before Geula, before the ultimate redemption of Mashiach, prophecy will return to Klal Yisrael. Just as the prophecy left Klal Yisrael with the destruction of the Holy Temple, ultimately it will revert and come back to the Jewish nation. When? When will this happen that prophecy returns? The Rambam has many different letters that he wrote. One of them is called Igeres Teman. He writes there the word Ka'es refers to the time that it will come again a time in which we are standing. In other words, a certain amount of years later until the time when prophecy returns. After Bilam carried this prophecy 40 years to go out of the Jews were out of Mitzrayim, this is the year 4,000 uh, 2,488. Ka'is, that amount of years, another 2,488 years later, in the year of 5,000, Prophecy returns. In these years, less than 800 years, we're given to Amisrael Tzadikim with Ruach HaKedish. Not only Ruach HaKedish, but they were able to perform miracles. Miracle workers. For example, Rabbi Shmuel Hanavi. Rabbi Shmuel Hanavi was not the Shmuel Hanavi we talk about in the Prophets. This is the father of Yehuda HaChasid. Then there was Rabbi Lozar Baal HaRakeach. These people literally performed miracles in open ways. The Ramban writes in the Sifri Kabbalah and in the words, the writings of the Arizal, it also says that these are Mekubalim, that we can rely on them. The Ravid writes, the Ruach HaKedish shows in the Besmedish. Ezra Novi, Rabbi Yehuda Chosid, said about Rabbi Yehuda Chosid, if Rabbi Yehuda Chosid were to live in the era of the Amaroyim, he would have been in Amera. 
he would have lived in the era of the Tanoim, he would have been a Tana. If he would have lived in the era of the Nevi'im, he would have been a Navi. That's how great the Bidah Chassid was. The same is written about the Alter Rebbe. So after this prophecy of Bilam, on the return of the Nevoah, therefore it became physically possible that it will come about, Heim Am Kulavi, Yokum and Karius Nasa, the Geula Ashlema. All that we see was not in the generations that were fitting for it. We're still tortured in our exile in Golos. Hundreds of years later, it returns again to Nevoa. And we see the Balshemt of his Talmidim till the Alter Rebbe. They were all Bali Ruach They all had Ruach and they were all able to perform phenomenal, phenomenal miracles. Now, Bashemtev, it's written, Samachedek says, Kimayu lehaya b'meisi yedashenim, Pilei ployes, Nisim ha-yetzim ha-teva, ha-yedinim He says about the Bashemtev, there was never in any generation someone that was as great as the Bashem, the wonders and miracles that he performed. If they have a Magid till the end of the time, so therefore this revelation, this light that was created by Yem Rishayim is the union of the Chazaras and Nevuah to Yisrael once again will be fulfilled with the Nevuah Ke'es Yem and the Yaakov Yisrael Ma'apoel Kel and therefore definitely, definitely we are standing now at that precipice at that time of Heim Am Kulavi Yokum Chari Nasa and we're going to merit this Shabbos the Geula Hamitas Hashlema Bikarev Mamish Good Shabbos to all. Charles Grantin.